0: Hey there, Fletch from All Things Overlanding here, and today I'm talking about a little bit of a controversial topic. I wanted to talk a little bit about electric vehicles and overlanding. Now I know, we've all seen it on all the Overlanding Facebook groups and pages, there's a lot of hate out there for overlanding electric vehicles. But I wanted to talk a little bit today about kind of my thoughts on it and where I think the future is going with these overlanding vehicles and where i do think that there is a path for electric vehicles so again this may be a little controversial watch the episode if you're on youtube listen to it if you're on the podcast drop down into the comments on youtube and leave your thoughts i'd love to hear from you guys and what you think but let's dive into what the future of electric overlanding looks like and kind of where i see it going Where it came from But you got it, my God It began in the land of the sandstorm I fought it All right, so as I mentioned in the intro today, I'm talking about electric vehicles and overlanding. Uh, Again, there's been just a ton of posts like the Rivian R1S recently just completed the Rubicon Trail, which I'm super excited about. I don't know why there's all this hate. I don't know why everyone is like, oh, it's electric. I'll take my internal combustion engine vehicles all day long. Look, I understand that they are the standard right now, right? I'm sure that, you know, 100, 150 years ago, whenever the first, you know, internal combustion engine vehicle came out, people were like, they'll never go where my horse can go. And at that time, it was probably true. But here's the thing with technology and science is it's always advancing right? So it's always finding ways to improve, to make those batteries more efficient for an electric vehicle, to make them more capable, to make them more reliable, to make them have a bigger capacity, to make them have some solar charging potentially, or ways to top that off that you can't get with internal combustion engine vehicles. Sure, you can take extra fuel and stuff like that, but there are limitations on both, right? So I don't really understand the hate for the electric vehicles. I mean, I guess I do just in that it's new and a lot of people just don't like new things or they're curmudgeonly it's sort of like people calling car camping overlanding and everybody freaks out about that and they say back in my day it was car camping you know like come on people like i, I just i don't get it personally i think it's silly to even like just completely wholeheartedly dismiss any potential future improvements that could come to overlanding via electric vehicles for example So let's start with the electric vehicles themselves, right? So as I mentioned, there's recently been the Rivian R1S, the the SUV version of the Rivian truck uh, that did the Rubicon trail all on one charge, which is super impressive. And everybody's mad about it. And I don't know why, but I think it's great. I think it's exciting. It's really cool to have something like that that is, you know, people are going out and they're pushing these trucks. If they break, Yes, of course. You, you can't say they broke because they're an electric truck. I think there was a Rivian R1T that broke some component on the truck or something. Everybody's like, it's because it's electric. And it was like a common mechanical thing that's on internal combustion cars, too. Like it's it, the electric part of the vehicle didn't break. It was the normal part that could have broken on a gas motor vehicle as well. But I think it's exciting to see them pushing these boundaries, right? Like think about where electric cars were 10 years ago. Think about where the Leaf was, the Nissan Leaf was. It had 120 to 150 miles of range and there was all this range anxiety and it was really terrible. But nowadays you've got cars with 300, 400 miles of range. Are electric cars where gas cars are? No, but they've been around for a very small fraction of the time that gas cars have been around. And there are a ton of really cool opportunities that come with an electric car. The way I look at an electric car is it's essentially a giant power bank on wheels, right? I mean, look at the new Ford F-150 Lightning, where they're basically plugging in a house and running it like an electric generator to power their refrigerators and things like that. You could It actually has enough capacity where you can run your house off of it for a day or two if there was like a hurricane or a natural disaster and the power grid went down. That's freaking cool. And as technology advances, as they figure out more and more ways to increase the capacity of these batteries, there's no reason that we won't see 800 or 1,000 miles of range on electric batteries. As solar gets more and more comprehensive and more and more advanced, with that higher capacity, there could be higher capacity solar charging that could be built into. And you could basically have a never ending source of electricity and power to power all of your your stuff that you take with you to camp like your lights your You know, you could have an induction stovetop that you run off of it You could basically have all these components these parts that just run off of your vehicle and are integrated into your vehicle And you could go out and be off-grid for months or indefinitely basically and just run everything off of the vehicle Which I think is super exciting. I mean Yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's new. Sure, I love the sound that my V6 engine makes when I rev the gas, but like not so much that I would say that I never want to see them make advancements in an electric vehicle. So again, once that capacity kind of goes up, once you get some sort of a a solar recharging or some sort of method, regenerative braking or things like that where you can recoup some of that energy and kind of keep that battery topped off, like why wouldn't you? I, I was recently planning a trip with some friends to Canada and we were gonna go on a stretch that was about almost 400 miles straight of no fuel stops and uh with my old truck i got about 10 miles to the gallons with a 20 gallon tank i had about a 200 mile range so i'm literally like i'm gonna have to take six five gallon jerry cans with me to be able to make this with a little bit of extra leeway just in case right that's not ideal But again, when capacities get up there on electrical vehicles, imagine if you're just driving along, your regenerative braking is, you know, putting power back into the battery, solar is pumping battery power back into your battery. Imagine when we get to the days of like 800 or 1000 miles of range, like you could go all over the place, you know, you could cover a ton of ground on that and not have to worry about those fuel constraints and all that additional weight and all the concerns of like top heaviness to have all that stuff, you know, up top. Um, so so I think there are a lot of benefits to the electrical vehicles that we're not really thinking about or that we're, you know, just begrudgingly saying they'll never make it because they're new, but they will change eventually. Um, speaking of capability, right, that's one thing that I see people say all the time is like, well, these electric trucks just aren't as capable. That Rivian R1T broke on the trail and, you know, the, the, the R1S only has... 300 350 miles of range so that it would never make it on the trails that I go on and things like that, right? I can't get to a charger. So how could I ever use it? Um, But capability isn't really again That's not really tied to the power source for the vehicle, right? Like they could build the the Rivian with higher quality, you know, more beefy components. If they wanted to make a real true off-road trim that was like an overlanding addition or something, they could just beef up all the components. And just like a normal traditional gas combustion engine, uh, You're going to break stuff on a stock transmission, on stock uh, CVs and things like that, stock axles. There's a possibility in some extreme situations where you're going to break stuff on a stock vehicle. So what do we do? We build those vehicles. We build them up with heavier-duty axles, with heavier-duty brakes, heavier-duty components to be able to take that abuse and that punishment that we get when we go off-roading in these more extreme areas. You can do the same thing with electrical vehicles. right? The only sort of limiting factor is the current ability to recharge the thing, right? And it not have enough capacity to get through the trail. That's really the only limiting factor. But again, I can guarantee you that with all the money that is tied up in the future of electrical vehicles and stuff that there are a million companies out there right now that are working on how do I get double the capacity out of these batteries? How do I reduce the size of the batteries and the weight of the batteries while increasing capacity? How do I get solar efficient enough to recharge this stuff? How do I capture more of this power back, right? Are there other ways that we can capture some of that power? Are there hybrid options that could make this basically an unlimited, uh, ever-running type of vehicle, right? So there, there will be advancements in that, and again, I'm excited about that. I'm not necessarily an electric car person. I don't own any electric cars, but I don't have any problems with them, and I'd like to see some really cool stuff come in the future technologically that could make overlanding even better and more fun and cooler, right? So then to kind of wrap this episode up, I did kind of want to touch on what I think the future of electric is, at least in the short term. In the next 10 to 20 years, kind of what I think is going to happen is I think you're going to see a reduction in displacement of motors, right? Like we're already seeing that you're, you're going away from VH, you're going down to turbo V6s or turbo four cylinders. I don't love that just historically, but, but that's the same sort of mental hang up that people have with electric cars going from uh, gas combustion cars, right? is just historically turbo cars have been less reliable, but as they continue to improve them, as they continue to develop them, test them, get more miles on them, eventually that four cylinder turbo Tacoma is gonna be just as reliable or more reliable than an NA V6 uh, Frontier, right? Like it's, it's gonna happen. It just takes a little bit of time. Right now, I don't wanna be the first guinea pig. I don't wanna buy the first Toyota Tacoma with a turbo four cylinder in it that's an all new engine because I don't wanna be the guinea pig for that, right? But in five to six, eight years, they'll probably have some really reliable 500,000 mile, four-cylinder turbo uh, Toyota Toyota motors, right? So that's not to say that it can't get there. Where I think it's going to go is I kind of think that we're going to start with supplementing our existing naturally aspirated, reliable V6 motors with hybrid systems. That's where I would love to see it go. I would love it if in the next three to five years, Nissan comes out with a Frontier that has the same motor and same transmission, basically, but with a hybrid system integrated into it. Let me give you an example. This thing already exists. Like Nissan has done this. The Infiniti Q50 has a hybrid version. The hybrid version of the Infiniti Q50 car has more horsepower and more torque by far than the naturally aspirated 3.7 liter six cylinder uh, version of that car. And it actually has a smaller motor. They put the three and a half liter out of the old Maximas and stuff like that. The previous 350Z motor into that Infinity Q50. Then they tacked on that hybrid system and it actually has more horsepower than the bigger 3.7 liter and it gets high 20s low 30s for gas mileage versus high teens low 20s of the naturally aspirated v6 and it has more power and it has more torque. So like there are ways out there to without totally I mean we're not talking about future talk like crazy electric, where you're going to have to charge places and stuff like that. Like It's going to operate very similarly to the vehicle that you have now, but you're going to get additional power and torque out of it. You're going to get additional fuel mileage and range out of it. That to me is a win-win. Yes. Are you increasing complexity? A little bit. But again, these systems, I mean, the Prius has been around for 20 plus years, right? Like These hybrid systems are not as new as the all electric systems. So that's kind of where I see it going. I think I could definitely see Nissan doing like some sort of a hybrid powertrain in a frontier. And right now in my new Frontier, my old one again, I had about a 200-mile range on a 20-gallon tank. In the new truck, I've been getting about a 440 to 450-mile range because it has a 9-speed transmission instead of a 5-speed. The 3.8-liter is a little more efficient than the old 4-liter, so when you combine those things, you can get more efficiency just out of that. Now you add in a hybrid system, some sort of like a regenerative braking powered uh, hybrid system that will extend that range. Imagine having a Frontier with like a 600 mile range and you don't have to spend two or $3,000 on an extended range tank and you don't have to stop and fill up and spend 150 bucks to fill up your vehicle on gas. You don't just have to rely on having more gas to get farther. You don't have to carry a million jerry cans with you. If I had a Frontier that could get six, 700 miles of range, on a 20-some-gallon tank, that would be pretty cool. Now, that may be a little extreme. Maybe it's 500, 550, 600, whatever it is. If it's an increase of 20% over the stock to have a little bit more complexity but have that hybrid drivetrain, I'd be all for that. I would love that. I'd love to stop less for gas. I'd love to spend less on gas. Over the lifetime of that vehicle, you're going to save so much money on gas that even if it's a little bit more expensive, it's going to offset itself over time. Um, So that's kind of where I think it's realistically going in the next 10 to 20 years. And then I think above and beyond that, I think probably in about that same timeline, we'll start to see electric cars hit that capacity quotient where they're really, really usable. And I love that. All electric still scares me. I mean, I'm, I'm 43 years old, right? So that's it's a newer thing in my life. So just like all you guys that say they hate electric cars, I get it. Um, I don't 100% trust it, but I can't wait to see what comes out, right? So again, that was kind of my thoughts, my musings on the future of overlanding and electric vehicles. If you're on YouTube, post up in the comments below, though. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Like, this is a controversial topic that I know people go a lot of ways on. So post up. Let me know your thoughts. If you're on the podcast, you know, drop a five-star review if you enjoyed it. Hop over to the other social channels. They're linked down in the description below. I'd love to talk to you there and sort of get your thoughts on that as well. Um, Also in the description below are links to my website where I've got stickers and patches, overlanding camping stuff, funny stickers and patches. So check those out. And then last but not least, my Patreon group is linked down there. We've got a 24/7 discord. We do a once a month call. It's a lot of fun. So if that sounds fun, check that out. And then there's also the newbie overlanders group, totally free to join. It's on Facebook, got a ton of members in it with awesome conversations happening every day. So we'd love to have you there as well. Um, But again, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.